Hello and welcome along to this special edition podcast from Together for Families, part of Cornwall Council. Now, Monday morning marks the start of the roadmap out of lockdown as schools and colleges across Cornwall open for all learners. We are incredibly proud and very thankful for the hard work and dedication from teachers and other school staff over the last 12 months who've been working extremely hard to keep everyone as safe as possible and support our children and young people. Now, some people may be worried about schools returning or feeling anxious. So, are schools safe? On this podcast, I'm joined by Brian O'Neill and Michael Taylor, part of our public health team. So, there are lots of controls that are in place already within schools, whereby we check if someone's well or they're ill that we have hands, face and space so everyone knows about washing your hands for 20 seconds and doing it frequently, trying to keep two metres distant from other people and in areas where actually within the school corridors and sometimes in classrooms you can't keep that two metres, then you must wear a face covering. Now the important thing to remember with a face covering is don't handle it, take it out of your bag, put it on in communal areas, take it off when you get to a bit of space, make sure you wash your hands and keep things clean. The other thing that we've got to remember is that we work very carefully with schools when there is a case. We exclude people who may be contacts just to make sure and that we are setting up community testing within schools. So that means that every child over the age of 11 can be tested twice a week. All the teachers, both in primary school and in secondary schools, are tested twice a week as well. Should we get a positive test, then we do what we would normally do. We would treat it as a positive case exclude that person and anyone who we see as a close contact around them for a period of 10 days. So I'm going to go through some of the questions that we've had in from parents and someone's put here um, our school has told us to wear an extra layer as they need to keep windows open. Is is that still going to be the case? So will windows need to be opened and classrooms need to be well ventilated? It's an infection that's passed through coughing and usually if you're beyond one metre you're absolutely fine but in certain circumstances aerosols are produced. By ventilating a room you reduce the concentration of those aerosols so that you're less likely to be exposed to an infection. It's not not likely, it's less likely. So having a window open helps and I think there are various criteria about how much air needs to exchange in a room for it to be effective. At the moment, it's not that warm outside, although it's starting to get sunnier and drier. So it's worth wearing an extra layer to keep warm, but make sure that there is air circulation in the room. One question which is coming from another parent is, um, if my child's got a cold, should I be keeping them off until they get tested? If your child has a cold, colds can spread by coughing, by contamination with your hands you treat a cold like you would do with any other infection if your child is unwell and they've got a means of passing on an infection they should stay at home what about those kids that are going to feel extra tired when they go back to school because obviously they've been out of routine for such a long time from a public health perspective is there anything that we can be doing to, to support that I think in this week, running up to schools going back, and I have seen it in letters to school, uh, to children from schools, is that start getting them into a routine now. OK, it's been quite difficult at home with homeschooling. And I think parents have done a phenomenal job in trying to keep up with some schoolwork. But the schedules of getting them out of bed on time, getting them ready for going for a bus, if that's what they do, and those early night times 
have shifted substantially. So take the opportunity this week in trying to get them into a routine that mirrors what the school routine would look like and make sure children are going to be tired. They're not going to have the stamina that they had before. Fresh air and exercise is a really useful way of dealing with that as well. So try and instill a bit of normality in the schedule. It's going to be hard. Try and get them to exercise and move a bit more, go outside and hopefully, you know, be a little bit understanding when they're tired when they get home from school next week. Lateral flow tests. Been lots of this in the press. What do we know about them at the moment? Lateral flow tests are a population level test. If we take this back once more step, what we do know is that a third of cases of coronavirus don't have any symptoms at all. So we're okay when we notice someone has got a cough or a high temperature or a sudden loss of taste and smell. But someone can have none of those symptoms and have coronavirus. So what this test does, and it's by a little swab up the nose and in the throat and done on something that looks a little bit like a pregnancy test, identifies someone with a high viral load. So they might not have any symptoms at all, but then it becomes positive. So it's a case of if you get a positive test result, then you've got to treat it as positive and you have to then uh, self-isolate and stay at home and we need to understand who your contacts are that may need to self-isolate as well. However, this test won't find all asymptomatic cases. It will only find six to seven out of every ten cases. So every test is flawed to a certain extent. This one will find only six out of seven asymptomatic cases. So even if you get a negative result, it doesn't mean everything's okay and you can relax all your controls. You've still got to behave as if you had an infection. So make sure, remember, hands, face, space and reducing contacts. The, the hand space space is such an important yeah. message to continue with. Uh, indeed. I think an awful lot has changed since schools were last in. So we've got vaccination programmes rolling out and we're now looking at the over 60s. We've looked at the over 70s, the over 80s, the older population, those who are clinically vulnerable. So as we move through these phases, more and more adults will start to be immunised. We're extending the testing. So lateral flow testing, looking for asymptomatic cases, really, really important. But there are a portion of cases that we can't identify through this. It's still important to say if you have any symptoms suggestive of COVID, you self-isolate and you arrange for a test in the normal way. We've still got to, until we get to a case of no cases, behave like COVID is circulating. So it's still hands, face, space, limiting contacts. Talking of face, face masks, what's the rules around in that for secondary school children? OK, so the rules that are coming in is that they're going to be used in classrooms, uh, particularly where you can't keep that two metre spacing in communal areas like corridors, possibly when queuing up for buses, when moving around the school, we're supposed to wear face masks. So that's all teachers and all children over the age of 11. Now, what you may have to remember as well is that it's worth taking a couple of face coverings with you because they do get damp. And if they start to get damp, they get uncomfortable. People start handling them. Take one off, put it in your bag, put a new one on, wash your hands. What's the numbers been like in Cornwall? Michael, I know you've been doing some research on this. What detail can you give us? OK, so if we're looking at uh, case numbers um, across the whole of Cornwall, so we're talking staff and children. So if we look at, say, primary schools, we've got a total of around uh, 6,648 um, staff in total. And only about 3% of those have um, contracted COVID-19. 
So that's only 202 out of a total of 6,648. So it's a very low percentage of have had the, the virus. Uh, with children, that's even lower. It goes down to 0.6% of, of children at primary schools have contracted COVID-19. And then in secondaries, yeah, we look at the teaching staff. Uh, there's about 2.7% of those have contracted COVID-19. And for pupils, it's down to 1% of all secondary school pupils. So 285 out of a total of 29,222. So you know, the rates are very low. And that's that's a testament to what the, the schools are doing. You know, all, all the different protocols that Brian's just gone through that, that they're doing there. And the testing is only going to help aid that, basically. So we can try and you know, get those asymptomatic cases as soon as possible. Now, I've had five or six questions um, about vaccinations and why teachers aren't being vaccinated. I know this is something which is part of the government's uh, remit, but can you explain it for us, Brian? So the big risk around COVID is around uh, disease and mortality. So older people are more likely to be admitted for intense therapy. Older people are more likely to die. Thankfully, lots of older people survive. But that's where the biggest risk is. It's age related. So the whole strategy from the Joint Committee of Vaccination and Immunisation has been based upon the fact that the risk at the moment is how we don't overwhelm our hospitals, how we stop people dying and how we stop people becoming seriously ill. So they started with the over 80s. They started with the care homes and the staff providing those care. They started then with those who are providing face-to-face -face care to older people, so health and social care workers in the community, because they may be instrumental in passing infection to those vulnerable communities. After that, they've gone down in five-year groups to the over 75s, then the over 70s, then the over 65s, and so on, till we get to the end of phase nine and 10, which um, we're told will be everyone over the age of 50 by May having been immunized. Recent announcements that have come out um, from the Joint Committee of Vaccination and Immunisation suggest that for the next phase, we won't be looking at prioritising groups of uh, sort of occupational groups, so teachers, firefighters and so on. We will purely be doing it on age. And the reason for that is that as soon as you start identifying subgroups and trying to find some groups and prioritise them, you slow down the whole system. So in order to get as many people vaccinated as soon as possible, it's much easier and more straightforward to go down in five year age bands and get everyone immunised in one go. So what would be your top tip for anyone actually returning to school next week? For anyone returning to school next week, remember that there are lots and lots and lots of controls in place that make this as safe as it possibly can be that you need to think about hands, face and space and how you're going to carry that out. How are you going to limit your contacts, not only in the school environment, but your home environment? When you go to the supermarket, who you speak to over the fence, who you're possibly likely to relax your rules with, because all these things count. That you make sure that you have a good supply of masks and that you actually do what's being asked of you and you don't do any of these surge tactics because you think, oh, well, it's only my friend, so therefore it doesn't matter. Or I'm in a bubble with someone at school, so therefore I'm OK having sleepovers or seeing them more frequently. It's not a case of all or nothing. It's put in as many of these controls as often as you can for as long as you can, because everything that you do towards that really counts. I, I suppose from a, another um, perspective from public health is going to be the mental health impact of young people returning. Um, have you got any tips for, for, for parents supporting young people or perhaps young people themselves that may be listening to this? 
I think this has affected a lot of young people because they're used to confiding in the friends, talking to the friends, doing things together with the friends that makes part of growing up uh, as a young person uh, really, really enjoyable. So everyone has felt particularly isolated, even with good access to internet and things like that. Nothing beats having a laugh and a joke and a lark around with someone who you know. I think what we've got to try and think of is how we do that in a safe way without it making feel really awkward. I think parents can be really good in supporting their uh, children in getting ready for school, in talking to them about their fears and what they're worried about. Are they worried about school? Are they worried about catching up? Are they worried about bumping into friends? Are they worried about picking up an infection? And start conversations going on the table so that we can help support them in the right way. And there are lots of people out there who can offer support to help parents and to help children and young people. But we need to start talking and we need to start understanding what those concerns are. I think it's something that's important to make sure that the the parents make sure they've got good communication channels with the schools as well, just to to make sure that they're completely clued up on on what the protocols will be when they come back. So the more you know, the easier it will be. And you know that you've got that support there from your school at the same time. I suppose, Michael, the other thing is as well to think of that every school in Cornwall is different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they've, they've all got different catchment areas, different amounts of pupils. Um, I've, I've looked on, on Facebook for various school channels and they're already putting lots of information out there you know, to put people's minds at risk, rest about the, the testing and, and what will happen when they go into school. So as long as you're, you're keeping an eye on those communication channels, it should relax you a little bit and think, OK, that's exactly what's going to happen when I go back. These are the things I'm going to have to do and this is the support that's going to be there for me. Thanks very much to Brian and Michael there, part of our public health team. Now, for many of the young people, the prospect of going back to school will be exciting, although some might feel anxious or worried. That's perfectly normal. Lots of children will feel the same way. So the best advice is to start to talk to your child about the daily routine that they were once so familiar with and what they're looking forward to about going back. You could also go through some of the changes they may expect at school and think about ways they can re-establish their connections with friends and teachers, as Dr Richard Sharp and Shelley Jameson from our public health team explain. I was thinking about this and uh, some practical tips which parents can really use to help their help their children to just get get into that mode again is perhaps to look at the timetable you know um you know maybe talk through timetable talk through lessons a little bit um look at school uniform as well and check that it fits and check that they've got everything that they need um and the other thing is um perhaps revisit the route to school um if children are walking to school they might not have walked that way for quite a while so they might need to revisit you know what the routine is and what the route is as well um, because it's, you know, this is, it, for them, it must feel like such a long time since they've been in this routine. When it comes to the, the actual impact of the lockdown on mental health, there's been lots of stories or uh, claims that it's had massive impacts for young people. What's the actual evidence or what have we actually seen amongst young people here in Cornwall? We've been looking at uh, a number of kind of evidence-based and surveys with our local communities and seen evidence around increased anxieties, increased risk of uh, depression, low mood. Um, and you touched on earlier about the anxieties of going back to school. So we're, we're in their third lockdown and it's important to consider how that's going to affect our, our children, how they might see themselves going back to school. So building on what Shelley was talking about, 
Um, it's important that you get ready, get to your lifestyles, uh, think about how your sleeping patterns, eating well, get enough hydration throughout the day, but also thinking about other areas where it can actually help us all really, as well as you're uh, a child or you're at college or university, for example. Um, and it's about, you know, looking after each other, connecting well, basic five ways to well-being messages really around being active, think about your well-being and your physical um, activity indoors and outdoors as appropriate. Um, and then also thinking about taking notes of the environment, you know, being getting out in nature, soon be able to get out with, with a small number of people soon and we'll be able to connect to others as well. Um, there's another thing about five ways to well-being and that's about you know giving and, and helping others as well. So something we're looking at is and supplies to children, young people and adults is is connecting with people and picking up the phone saying hi um, and like I, like I said earlier, taking care of yourself. Actually, they're incredibly valuable tools when it comes to, to handling situations like this. And definitely, and part of that, that messaging, Jamie, is about keep learning, you know, trying something new as a new hobby and, and that applies to schooling as well. You know, what within your schooling environment, what else can you learn um, outside of school that might help you engage in, in different hobbies and interests with other people as well? Out of that research that you've done, is there anything that particularly concerns you? Um, I think what concerns really us is is people who may be suffering with low mood, anxiety or depression, whatever that level of need is, but not actually reaching out and getting the help and support. So whether that's reaching out to friends and family and saying, I'm struggling at the moment, what can I do to, to help improve my well-being and, and mental well-being? Um, but also seeking you know, professional help from your GP or, or looking at those types of uh, support measures in place uh, that are available to everyone um, needing help with their mental well-being. I suppose that links into what you were saying earlier, Shelley, where it's about reaching out and having those extra um, connections about commonality. So those, those things like getting the school uniform ready and just having those extra conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, within the school as well, schools um, may need to sort of just look at ways of adapting, you know, what the way what they've got in place, um, just helping pupils to feel safe as well. Um, obviously, we've all had different experiences during this lockdown. Um, you know, children are going to be going back, um, perhaps you know, uh, dysregulated or not, or, or maybe already feeling overwhelmed before they even get into school. So it's really important that we can all keep an eye on each other, keep an eye on um, different behaviours that are seen, just to see if, if, if pick up on somebody that is perhaps feeling overwhelmed or distressed, um, and making sure that they've got um, people to go to and places to go to within the school as well, uh, that they know that they can talk to somebody. If you are a young person that's listening to this, Where's so what's the best form if they, they're concerned about a friend? We have a lot of information on our Cornwall Council websites, Jamie, um, and that's guidance targeting anyone from the ages of five up through to adulthood, uh, whether you're suffering with something like OCD or your, your mental health. So there's a lot of help and support out there, um, but it really depends on what kind of help and support somebody is looking for. So I guess the first step is to look at that guidance, look at what's available and what what's available to best meet your level of need um, and you know going back to what we were talking about earlier about you know, returning to school and um, it's also important we follow those kind of guidelines but also remember the guidelines around keeping safe with the pandemic as well so the usual story you know hands face space um, and kind of taking care and looking after yourself. I think one of the big pieces of advice I've heard um, which I've been saying to my children is that 
it's perfectly normal to feel nervous about going back to school after all of this. And and you know, if you're feeling something, if you if you're not feeling quite yourself, um, you will feel better if you share it. Um, if you talk to somebody that you know, um, you know, within the schools, there's there's often support workers or pastoral support staff, um, any member of staff. Uh, most staff members have had training um, on how to help you if you're not quite feeling yourself. So just uh, make sure that you go and speak with somebody. Parents have a big role to play in this, in, in helping young people when they go back to school, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really imp- important that parents are mindful about this whole um, talk about catch up. You know, um, there's a lot of talk about catch up and, and schools are working really, really hard to put plans in place um, so that they can, um, you know, bring bring pupils back to where they you know where they hope to be and they they're very good at that and and really parents don't need to be worrying about that right now I think that the most positive thing that parents can do is support their children around feeling good about reconnecting with their peers and their friends and and starting their learning again at school and that's going to have a really positive effect on their mental health uh, rather than dragging them down that's it for our podcast for this week thank you once again for listening don't forget to hit that subscribe button and if you've been affected by anything we've been talking about today you can get in touch with us go to our website supportincormall.org.uk or you can visit cornwall.gov.uk and search for together for families thanks for listening and take care